0: Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. This conversation with Tracy Clark was recorded in June of 2021. Tracy has been a judge on the Elner Taylor Bland Crime Fiction Writers of Color Award and was also a mentee of the Late Author. Here's an updated bio of Tracy, who has a new series that debuted in January 2023. Tracy's a native Chicagoan and the author of the Cass Rain Chicago Mystery Series, featuring ex-cop turned PI Cassandra Rains, a multi-nominated Anthony Lefty Edgar McCavity and Seamus Award finalist. Tracy is also the 2020 and 2022 winner of the G.P. Putnam's Sons Sue Grafton Memorial Award and the 2022 Sarah Paretzky Award, which honors crime writers from the Midwest. Tracy was also nominated for the 2022 Edgar for Best Short Story for Lucky 13, which was included in the crime fiction anthology Midnight Hour. She's a proud member of Crime Writers of Color, Mystery Writers of America, Sisters in Crime, and serves on the boards of BoucherCon National and the Midwest Mystery Conference. Hyde, her new police 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 Procedural featuring Detective Harriet Foster of the Chicago Police Department was released in January of 2023. The second entry in the series, Fall, will release in December 2023. She loves old black and white movies, a good nap, and really spicy ginger snaps served with ice cold milk. When she's not writing, she's thinking about writing, admits to finding characters in the most unusual places. I hope you enjoy this conversation from june twenty twenty one with Tracy Clark. Hi, this is Julie Henrikus, Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am thrilled to welcome Tracy P. Clark to the podcast. Tracy, a native Chicagoan, is the author of the award-winning Cass Reigns' Chicago Mystery Series featuring ex-cop turned PI Cassandra Reigns, a multi-nominated Anthony Lefty and Seamus Award finalist. She's also the 2020 winner of the G.P. Putnam's Sons Sue Grafton Memorial Award. Tracy's a member of Crime Writers of Color, Mystery Writers of America, and Sisters in Crime and currently serves on the boards of her local M.W.A. and Sync Chapters, as well as the BoucherCon National Board. Her fourth cast reign novel Runner releases in June 2021. Tracy, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here.
0: (laughs) So we're going to talk about community, uh, which obviously you know a lot about because (laughs) you are on a lot of different boards. Um, But let's talk about writing and your writing journey first. Mm -hmm. When in your life did you think to yourself, I want to write a book?
1: Um, well, for me, it started early. Uh, I think the moment I sort of discovered that books were actually written by people and that they just didn't sort of sprout out of a cabbage patch like magic, that somebody <laughs> actually sat down at a desk uh, with a computer or a legal pad and pen. And this story, whatever it was, came out of their imagination. That's when I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, It took several years before I could sort of voice that desire to write. Um, It's not something you just sort of blurt out to people when you're eight or nine years old. They (laughs) ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up, which they inevitably do. And you can't say writer. Um, You know, Hemingway was a writer. Faulkner was a writer. You are not a writer. You're just a little kid. So you would tell them something bogus, uh, lawyer, doctor, Indian chief, whatever. Uh, but you, uh, I always knew that in the pit of my stomach and that little pea brain of mine, that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to write stories. Um, so I sort of practiced as a little kid does with a little notepad and a number two pencil and I would write little stories and little scenes and sort of illustrate them myself with little cartoon characters. Uh, And then of course, I would ace every essay that was in school assignments. A plus, A plus, A plus. Uh, No problem with a written word. Um, Then also an avid reader, so I'm still reading. And so there it was. That sort of uh, idea that I could do this. This was a job. Um, And all I had to do was sort of train myself or teach myself how to do it. And that took, of course, uh, several decades <laughs> <laughs> before that burst of an idea to actually putting something on paper that didn't smell up the room and actually sort of had a beginning, a middle and end and sort of moved in the right direction. But that, that took a lot of uh, back and forward, uh, tearing things up, uh, changing things, pulling your hair out. Um, I knew I wanted to do it. I had absolutely no idea how. Uh, I didn't know any writers. Uh, No writers lived in my neighborhood. Uh, I just knew that the books were written by people, and if they could do it, there was a possibility that maybe I could do it too, and I just had to figure out or learn what they knew uh, and see if I could sort of uh, put my own stink on it. So... It was quite a long process, I'm still learning. I don't think any writer sort of gets to the point where they know everything. Uh, I've gotten to the top of the mountain and I don't have anything else to learn. I think it's all learning, it's all getting better. It's all finding more efficient ways to tell a story, uh, better ways to do it. So uh, it's a continuous thing, Uh, started early, I'm still on it and I'm hoping for great things.
0: Well, you've had some great things happen. I mean, your your series is getting acclaim and and nominations and awards and things like that. But I'm fascinated by this early idea that you wanted to do this and and it came out of the blue. I mean, that's the magic of the muse and creativity and everything else. How did you learn how to write a book? Book, um, you know, what did you take classes or, or you know, reading is definitely part of it. But how did you learn the mechanics of of this?
1: Well, as I sort of went through school, uh, grade school, high school, college, grad school, I took every writing course they had. Everything, uh, creative writing, uh, writing for journalism, uh, uh, fiction, uh, nonfiction. Every writing class they had, I took. Whether or not it applied to what I wanted to eventually do or not, I took it. Um, but then you sort of get to a point where um, you've sort of gathered all this information. You sort of know the mechanics of craft. You know that it has to have uh, world building and character development, uh, pacing and setting and all of that, descriptors and everything. Uh, but you sort of get to the point where you've taken every class. Um, there's nothing else to take. And you're sort of on a sort of edge of a precipice and you either sort of stay there and take another class that you don't need or you jump and have the faith that you have enough information to sort of at least get started, to at least go on the journey or the path alone from that point on. Um, You prepare yourself as much as you can, um, sort of stock this information in your head as your sort of memory bank. And that's something you sort of have to sort of live on. You sort of jump and go. And then you have to start actually writing and teaching yourself how to write, uh, getting better at it, failing miserably, uh, trying again. Uh, it's all process. It's all learning. It's all education. And there's no easy way to sort of get out of it. Um, you have to make that jump, and you have to go forward.
0: And you have to be willing to to not be great at it. Right? Yeah, but you're not going
1: to okay. be. In fact, you're not. You're going to be not. You're going to be so not great. It's almost embarrassing. Uh, that's how not great you are. Um, but you have to start somewhere. Uh, everything you're going to write in the beginning is going to be absolute mess and chaos. And it's not going to make any sense to anybody but you. Uh, it's not going to be publishable. It's just going to be a mess. But that's where you have to start.
0: So your Cast Reigns series was your first published. Is that true? Your first published
1: uh, book? Um, well, I had published one short story before that. Um, I just wanted to sort of practice with the, the form, the genre. Um, so I figured I got that successful short story under my belt. How difficult could a, a book possibly be? <laughs> That's how little I knew. You know, so I wrote this short story. It turned out pretty well. It got published in a little mystery magazine. They paid me $5 for it. I saved the check for like 20 years in a little frame, $5, my first sale. Um, but then I said, well, the hubris, I mean, really, um, I wrote this short story. They published it. How difficult could a novel possibly be? And then it was another 20 years before I sold anything else. Um, but yeah, you sort of just have to do it. Um uh, I had those classes under there, creative writing. Fine, fine, fine. I knew the elements, great, all right. But then you'd have to actually sort of dig in, and sort of work the words around, and um, it, that took quite a while. And why do you have? Why crime fiction? Were you
0: always thinking this is the genre I want to write in, or did you have other genres you looked at? You know, do you see yourself writing outside of this genre?
1: Well, going back to eight or nine, with that little notebook and pencil, um, the little stories always somebody always died. Um, for some strange reason, um, there was usually <laughs> a group of three or four kids who sort of wandered onto this haunted house. Uh, it was always something like that. Uh, they had a puzzle to solve. Somebody ended up missing. Uh, somebody's dead, and then uh, you know the story sort of uh, sort of peters off because I had absolutely no idea how to end anything. Um, but Every story was like that. Somebody died. Um, That's how I sort of uh, wandered into the crime fiction genre, because that began when I started reading again. I mean, I was reading all the way through, but from Dr. Seuss to Amelia Bedelia to Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, a little Chandler, a little Hammett. Um, Then that sort of wandered into Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie got me all the way through to the... Uh, first part of the 80s when this fantastic wave of female crime writers came, uh, Grafton and Paretsky and uh, uh, Muller and all of those great writers. Um, So that's when I really sort of focused in, ah, here it is, Uh, series characters, uh, strong female detectives sort of working it out on their own. Nobody's saving them at the last minute. Uh, They're in it to win it. And uh, that was my thing. That was my wheelhouse right there. So now I decided... That that's my genre. That's what I want to do. Now I just have to figure out how to do it. Um, and again, mm-hmm. that took a lot of uh, wasted paper, but uh, it was all worth it in the end, I think. And
0: do, did, did your series character just come to you fully formed? Is it is it, you know, what because you're writing standalones now, so we want to talk about both the difference between those. But for a series, you've got to come up with a character and a world that can sustain a few stories. Mm -hmm. Um, So did she just, was she born of, you know, fits and starts in other books or how did she come
1: to you? Um, As I sort of really got concentrated about writing this genre and this type of story, um, her voice just sort of popped up in my head um, and she sort of stuck around. She wouldn't go anywhere. Um, so as I'm sort of practicing writing this kind of story set in Chicago, um, she came with a couple of other people. Um, and I sort of fleshed them out as I went along and learned to sort of uh, build them as I built the story. Um, but, yeah, her voice came first. Uh, Cass reigns. Uh, she refused to leave Um, So I either had to deal with her or go crazy. (laughs) And I decided to, you know, okay, if you're here, then exactly show me how to do this, uh, guide me through this process. And her voice sort of carried me through uh, all those fits and starts. Um, None of it was done well because uh, you're a new writer, nothing you're going to do is going to be that good. Um, But it was all learning and practicing and sort of teaching yourself how to tell a complete story, and to sort of engage readers, uh, give them that identification and that sort of engagement. So it took quite a while to sort of, from that moment, the voice sort of uh, showed up, uh, to learning what to do with it. Um, It took quite a while, really, over 20 years, really.
0: Well, it it took how long it needed to take. Exactly, uh
1: (laughs) yeah. Your time is your time, and uh, it comes when when it wants to come.
0: And writing's a craft, and you hone that craft over time. I mean, you're from Chicago. You live in Chicago now. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's also rich crime writing territory. There's a lot of, of, uh, really wonderful crime writers oh, yeah. in
1: that area. Yeah. 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 Uh, Hugh Colton, uh, Barb D'Amato, uh, Sarah Paretsky, a uh, host of, of, talented writers. Um, and I read them at coming up and sort of tried to get a radiated, <laughs> I could contact high off of their work to, to see what they knew that I didn't. Uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, I got a wonderful tradition to sort of follow in the footsteps of. And what's
0: your process like? Do you uh, do you are you a pantser? Are you a plotter,
1: or in between? I am a pantser by nature. Um, I just sort of sit down and do it. Uh, the publishing house has sort of uh, asked for a sketchy outline to sort of sort of know what the story is about. Uh, so I sort of write that down and send it to them. And then that's as far as I go with that. Uh, that's for them. Uh, but my process is I just sort of sit down with the order, a bit of an idea of what I want the story to be about. And then it becomes a matter of just sort of working it out uh, page by page, uh, getting sort of painted in corners and to figure out how to get out. Uh, I spent a lot of time going backwards as opposed to forwards because I've made some critical mistake that's gonna really mess me up further down the line, better to fix it now, uh, save myself a couple of years on my life expectancy. And so the, <laughs> that's how I do it. So I just sort of sit down, um, the laptop's there, idea for a story, these are the characters I have to tell it. And then I have to figure out how to get from the beginning through the middle, and all the way to the end um, in some kind of a readable form. And
0: how long, when you've got contracts, Mm -hmm. your time isn't the same, (laughs) Um, but in a perfect world, how long does it take
1: you to to write a book? Well, you would hope for a year. Uh, 12 months is a pretty good chunk of time to sort of work uh, through the drafts uh, and to sort of correct mistakes that you've made. And maybe even change your story a little bit if you find out a better way of telling it. Um, Mm -hmm. So a year is ideal. Uh, The book that I'm working on now that gave me nine months as opposed to 12. So right away, the panic sets in because now you're (laughs) like four critical months short. And you have to get all of this done in nine months as opposed to 12. But then, after you know, maybe a couple of weeks of panicking and sweating, uh, lamenting the loss of the four months, I figure, hey, if a woman can build a baby in nine months, I can certainly sit down and write 300 and some odd pages of a of a PI novel and ha- and get it done. So that sort of saved me from sort of climbing off my onto my roof and sort of jumping off. So I can do it. It's been done by others far greater than me. Uh, I can do it too. So. Nine months is supposed to 12. It can be done. At least I hope it can. Uh, my deadline is the first of December. And either I will make it or I will not be here on December the second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have I have faith that you're gonna make it, but it's <laughs> this is also a standalone. So it's yes. world building and character yes. building from scratch, unless this is an idea that's been in oh. your
1: no. Okay. The only idea I had of all those twenty years of refining and teaching myself to write has been Cash Rains' stories. Um, that's the voice that popped into my head. That's the voice I sort of worked through for all for this series. This new character, uh, she's African American. She's a homicide cop in Chicago. Different backstory, different personality altogether. She has said nothing to me prior to my sitting down writing this story. I don't have no idea who she is. I don't know what she likes or dislikes. I have to figure all of that stuff out before the 1st of December when I hand this book in to the people who need it. But right now, <laughs> right now, uh, I'm sort of getting to know her and the people around her. I am mm-hmm. beginning to build her world, her story, her backstory, her life. Um, I want to make her as different from Cass as I can possibly make her. So that's where most of my energy is sort of focused on now because Cass's voice is still in here, uh, right at the back. What about me? Have you forgotten? (laughs) I'm still here, you know? So that I have that sort of competing voices in my head at this point. Um, And of course it's third person as opposed to first person. So now I'm exercising a different muscle, uh, telling a story, a different story, different character in a new way uh, and teaching myself how to do that effectively, so all of that stuff has to be done in nine months, and uh, I'm pretty confident—not really, but confident—that I will get it done.
0: Well, <clears throat> well, I'm I'm very confident that you're going <laughs> to get it done. But um, you know, is the new are the standalone suspense? AI, thrillers.
1: You know, I'm not really good with the labels. I would probably classify it as suspense uh, thriller. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd probably put it that way. Um, you know, but I don't really concentrate on that as I'm writing it. It's just the story that I'm telling, and uh, so other uh, people who have sort of have to slot it into a category. If we're here, they see it fitting, but that's uh, not my deal. It's hard, enough, it's hard enough putting it putting it down there. <laughs>
0: And um, when, you know, you've been writing and and on this journey for a long time, Mm -hmm. you know, we all get lots of advice. What's the best and the worst writing advice you've gotten?
1: Um, I think the best is that you just have to sort of keep going. You have nothing unless you have that first draft. Um, you don't have anything to work on unless you have that sort of mound of clay. That's where you sort of make your facial expressions and your ears and your nose and your eyes, but you've got to have that mound of clay that first draft. So the best advice I was ever given, I think, is just to put it down there. Uh, Don't think too much about it. Uh, Just put it down there and then you can start refining it, revising it, making it sing. Um, I think the worst advice uh, kind of always starts with the same thing. Uh, what I would do is, uh, because that sort of puts you in a sort of different, uh, different frame, sort of frame of mind. That's somebody sort of imposing uh, what they would do onto your work. Um, it's your work. Uh, this is your story, your art form, your craft, uh, and it's up to you to sort of determine what it will be. Um, constructive advice is different. Um, they're looking at what you've written and sort of maybe seeing holes or gaps where you could have done taken a different turn or done something a little different, um, suggesting those things to you, Uh, not suggesting that you do them, but just saying, I've seen this spot. Uh, You might want to consider doing this, uh, but Mm -hmm. it's up to you. Ultimately, it's your story. Uh, The other uh, is somebody else trying to sort of uh, orchestrate what you do. Uh, And of course, it's craft, it's art, it's yours. And you have the responsibility to sort of um, take up for it and champion it and, and protect it. So best advice, worst advice, uh, sort of in the same vein, but uh, different uh, uh, motivations, I think.
0: Absolutely. Um, You talked earlier about it taking, uh, your writing journey took however long it took Mm -hmm. to get it to where it was. Tell me about your publishing journey. And those are two different journeys. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And and what what that's been like or what
1: surprised you about your publishing journey? well the publishing journey for me um sort of came with the realization that it wasn't just art but it was a business um it's one thing for me to sit in my writing room and sort of create these stories and these characters that's one thing uh but for somebody to purchase it and then market it and promote it that's something different that's 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 commerce that's uh, business um and it took me a, quite a while to sort of figure out that they worked in different uh, areas and had different motivations. Um, It took quite a while to get that first book contract. Um, I think I sort of had the same process that most writers have. Uh, You query, uh, you put it out there, you get that rejection letter back. It's very impersonal. They don't care one way or the other where you're dejected or sleeping in a closet or, you know, crying your eyes out. Um, The letter is the letter. Uh, You have no recourse. Uh, You move on to the next thing. Um, And several years of that sort of stacking these rejection letters up and sort of having to make the decision every single time whether you stop there or continue. And you sort of have to believe that what you have is something that is worthy of pursuing, um, that if you sort of get it in the right form, it'll be it'll find its place. And when it finds its place, then you sort of have to learn another thing. You have to learn how to sort of champion this work, uh, sort of lead it down the path and get it where it needs to go. And you've got all these other people, uh, agents and editors and publicists and all the rest of that, doing what they do. Lord knows what that is, uh, but they've got a different mindset. Uh, they're not into the art form, right? They're looking at the business. They're looking at the numbers. They're seeing where they can put this thing, what category to put it in. And you've got to learn all of that really quickly uh, because up until that point, my head was down. Uh, I'm concentrating on craft. I'm concentrating on how to teach myself how to do this. And the rest of the stuff is somebody else's uh, you know, responsibility until it's not until it's partially yours. So that was, I think my biggest uh, enlightening thing to sort of figure out that I had a place in this uh, whole thing. And I had my job to do just like they have theirs. And it's been quick learning for me. Um, When I first got my first book, I had no idea what an ARC was. Um, The publicist (laughs) sent me an email and said, oh, don't worry, Um, we are sending your ARCs in the mail. You should have them by the end of the week. And I had to, I said, it's great, wonderful, thumbs up. Then I had to get off and actually ask somebody else what the heck an arc was because I had absolutely no idea mm-hmm. what it was. Uh, I felt a little stupid. I didn't want to tell the publicist that. But, you know, so it's quick learning, quick learning how the business works. So I think that's the biggest challenge with publishing just sort of knowing that this is a business. Um, they are in it for different reasons than you're in it for. And you all have to sort of work in tandem together to make sure that everything is successful and that you're successful and that they're successful too. So I'm still learning that I'm still on book four and, and a half at this point. Um, and of course, I'm still learning how to do it. A lot of writers out there are way better at it than I am. I can sort of sort of envy them as I see them on social media, really killing it I say, oh, that's wonderful. I have no idea how to do that, but I'll get there. I will eventually <laughs> get there, I have no doubt. <laughs> it might be book seven or eight, but I will get there. Well, I think it's
0: it's what a gift to tell people and to talk about the fact that it is a separate part. It is a business and it's a different skill set um, that you do need to develop as an author, uh, but it has little to do with your writing. Life. Exactly. Yeah, it's a business. So
1: you have to treat it like that.
0: Yeah. Um you've had as i mentioned uh you've had great success so far uh, and, and been nominated and are nominated, but you've also been part of the community. Uh, you know, in your bio, I talked about the fact that you're a member of sister in crime and MWA use and crime writers of color. You serve on boards, um, local boards, mm-hmm. and you're also on the board of BoucherCon, which is a national conference um, uh, every year. It's in a different city this year in August, it will be in New Orleans and mm-hmm. next year it's going to be in Minneapolis. Um, so can you talk about the community and, and what that's meant to your journey?
1: Well, um, writers are solitary people, right? So you're sitting in your room by yourself, there's no peanut gallery. You did sell tickets to people sort of watching you write this thing. And so it's sort of you sort of forget that there are other writers out there and that they're all sort of doing the same sort of thing. Um, I became aware of Sisters in Crime and Mystery Writers of America uh, early on, back when I was still trying to sort of teach myself how to do this. I would go to annual conferences. Uh, Mystery Writers of America had a conference annually called Dark and Stormy Nights. And I would schlep my hiney up to the north side of Chicago. Uh, It started out at Northwestern University and it would be an all day thing. I started at nine and ended at five and you would go from session to session and you would learn things about pacing and character development and all that. Um, And I did that for several years uh, without joining MWA or Sisters in Crime. Um, I didn't think I was worthy at that point. Um, And also I sort of looked at it as a sort of a reward. I was gonna write this book. And when I wrote this book, the first thing I was going to do is I was going to join Sisters in Crime, but I wasn't going to do it until I actually had some skin in the game, a book under my belt, and then I could sort of march into the door and say, ha ha, here I am. Uh, Let's get on with this community thing. And that's kind of what I did. It was sort of my carrot to sort of get me through those dark times when nothing was happening, uh, when the rejection letters were piling up, uh, when I could not figure out how to get from beginning to middle to end Uh, when nothing was working um, and I had no idea how to fix it. Um, That went on several years, uh, just sort of of looking at it and trying to figure out what was wrong with it um, and not knowing what was wrong with it. So, but when I finally got that contract, I signed it one day and that's the same day I went to Sisters in Crime's website and I joined. Uh, That was my reward. That was the end game for me. Uh, and what I found since joining was this wonderful writer community of support and advocacy. And you just sort of commiserate when things weren't going well. Everybody there knew what journey you were on. They knew how difficult writing was. They knew how the publishing business worked. And you just sort of there, you had you sort of found a family of people mm-hmm. just like you going through the same things. And it's been absolutely great. I have not found a sour apple anywhere in the bunch. Everybody has been nice and uh, welcoming. Um, And I sort of had an opportunity, invited to sort of join the board of my local chapter here. And I took it. Um, I don't know how, you know, uh, much of an impact I'm having, uh, but I am there paying it forward uh, to give back to sort of uh, to the next person what was given to me. And I think that's important for all writers in the community to just sort of not just sort of come and just be who you are, but help the next person up. I sort of see it as we're all sort of on this rope up Mount Everest and the first person there on the rope sort of puts a hand down to the next person and that person puts a hand down to the next person and everybody gets to the top about the same time. Um, you sort of, sort of look at the adage, um, rising tide sort of lifts all boats. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody is in the same boat. I mean, one succeeds, everybody succeeds. Everything makes the writing community better. Um, it's no competition, we're friends, we're ally, we're family. And that's how I look at it. And it's great, it's wonderful. Well, that's for anybody. But
0: that's a great attitude that makes it much easier too to be on this journey. That that it, you know we are all here to support each exactly. other, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and all of these organizations are are grateful for your being part of them. Do you wish you
1: joined Sisters in Crime earlier on the journey? Probably. Looking back at it, I probably should have done it uh, when I sort of made up the decision to write. Uh, I think I probably would have benefited from the programs that they offer and the camaraderie. That would have been great to have. I wouldn't sort of uh, have torn my hair out quite as much if I knew that there are other people in the same boat as I was in. Um, but again, I just sort of held it out there at the end of this long path that that was the shining thing. Once I had my book contract, I was going to join Sisters in Crime. I would be worthy to join it. And then there I would be, um, so great motivator for me, looking back on it, uh, probably should have done it sooner, probably should have benefited from it sooner, but you know, everything in its own time again.
0: Yeah. It works out the way it's, yep. it's going to work out. Um, and Sisters in Crime is grateful that you're certainly a part of it and, and contribute so much to the community itself. Um, Crime Writers of Color is also a wonderful organization. Uh, that's
1: four years old now? Uh, about, yeah. Um, and we've got over, I think, uh, last count, over 300 members Um all writers, all sort of different phases of their journey. Uh, We've got new ones who are still looking to be published. And we have old timers like myself who have uh, uh, published several books and uh, get nominated for things. And so we're all in there, sort of like sisters in crime, sort of helping each other along and yeah. offering tips and advice and support and commiseration and a uh, really gung-ho and a bravo when they need it. And uh, you know, chicken the hiney when they, when they need that too. Um, we're all in together, all going up that mountain together. Uh, and it's good to have that family uh, in all aspects of this experience. It sure is. It sure is. Um, well,
0: Tracy, thank you for a great conversation. Well, I should ask you, what are you reading
1: right now? Well, uh, I'm reading, uh, oh, uh, Laurie Rader Day's uh, book that's coming out, uh, Death at Greenway. It's perfect. Wonderful. And I'm also reading at the same time, Cynthia uh, Paleo's uh, Children of Chicago, uh, also excellent. Um, so I'm reading those two right now and writing my uh, second draft and and hoping for the best.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I'm I wishing you um, a lot of joy on that, but we, I, I know it's going to be great, and I can't wait to, in 2022, um, <laughs> read your standalone. But Not right one. now, um, at the end of June, you've got your fourth Cass rains book coming yep. out. Yeah,
1: looking forward to that. And I've also got a short story in uh, an anthology coming up. Uh, it's called Midnight Hour. Uh, Crime Writers of Color, uh, that comes out, uh, I think, the early part of November. So that should be good, too. So uh, good things are happening. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you
0: so much. And um, good luck on VoucherCon uh, this year. I'll see you in New Thanks. Orleans. See you there. And uh, we'll you, links to Tracy are all in the show notes. Thanks, Julie.